All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Dan McDonald, joined here with my friend, Nick Wolf. Nick, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. What's going on? Not much, not much uh, in my world, but in our world, there's a lot going on. Um, so before we get into the soccer stuff, I just kind of wanted to get a, a quick thing in here. Um, there's there's a lot going on with, with the coronavirus and with Black Lives Matter. Um, I just wanted to say that Weston McKinney, if you don't know who he was um, before you you started listening to this podcast, um, you've heard his name. Um, he's definitely someone who I think that we can all be proud is an American. Um, he went out with his game in uh, Germany. He plays for the club Schalke. Um, he wrote on his captain's armband. He's 21 years old. He's a captain of Schalke. He wrote on his armband, Justice for George. Um, I'm not going to go into detail. I imagine everybody knows what that that's in reference to. Um, and this is what he had to say after the game. Um, I should have spoken to the club beforehand. I accept that. Uh, the ref then asked him to remove his armband, and he said, I'm not taking it off. And then he continues on by saying, there's a rule in the league that you can't make political statements. But, I mean, if you really, really look at this as a political statement, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, so guys like Weston McKinney as a 21 year old who can speak like that, uh, brings me immense pride to be an American that someone like that is representing us, um, in Germany, across the pond and on a global stage. Uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to say on this. And Nick, do you have anything to add? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, I just want to, you know, kind of echo exactly what you just said. I mean, for, like you said, a guy, Weston McKinney, 21 years old to be able to speak on things like that and, and really you know, put his money where his mouth is and really try to, you know, make a statement and make an impact um, and, and get the conversation flowing in a, in kind of the world stage and, and a lot of other leagues, you know, whether it's not necessarily because of Weston, but for a lot of different reasons, but he was kind of the first guy to really step up and be like, yo, I'm, this is something I care about and I'm going to talk about it right now. Um, so mm-hmm. it was pretty awesome. And like you said, it's, it makes you feel proud that that's a guy that, you know, will probably captain the, the men's national team in a, in a full you know, on a full scale at some point. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was definitely awesome for Wessa. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think actually um, to kind of turn this into a soccer question, uh, but more like a soccer stance, um, you look at, you look at the premier league that just started back up. We're going to get into it, but you see, you know, the four teams that have played, which is Sheffield United, Villa, Manchester city and Arsenal. Um, you look at all of them and on the back of their jerseys, no one has names. They have black lives yeah. matter. Yeah. And I will, I will tell you my, my honest opinion and, and what I think about it. Without Weston McKinney's support and armband, I don't think that that happens. I don't think that awareness and the leagues and, and UEFA's acceptance of this, like Weston McKinney said, it's not very political. It's more of, you know, just human rights. But I, I, I really don't want to get into that. But, um, but yeah, I, I think Weston McKinney kind of taking that, like, hey, dude, if – you're not understanding this, then you're an idiot approach. I I think that was probably just the best way to do it. And that was, that was just something I I wanted to get out there and get off my chest as well. Um, So yeah, just, just a guy like that who's just, just that smart and and that, that kind of rational, I I think is really cool to have as a leader, but, uh, but I'll, I'll spin this into a soccer question. Do you think that, this situation and the way that Weston McKinney has handled it, do you think that that has changed 
Greg Berhalter's opinion of him or perspective of him? And do you think that that, that this whole situation may further solidify his place in this group of, you know, players that we have in this men's national team pool? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, I would have to, I would have to guess Mm -hmm. that like from everything that we see of like a guy like Weston on like social media and like the access that we get, like during, you know, men's national team camps and like little interviews and stuff, you can always tell that he's like a really articulate guy. And I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure that like Greg Berhalter has had a ton of you know conversations with him, and I'm sure he, or at least I would I would think that he kind of like understands who Weston is as a guy at this point. But at the same time, to mm-hmm. see him like really step up and be a leader, um, you know, for for the soccer community in this type of situation, I would have to say that yeah. I, I would think that he would it would kind of like I don't want to say like elevate him, but like kind of like it, it does it does matter. You know what I mean when what when a guy, when a guy in the pool steps up like that, like that, that does mean something. And I I would think like, I would have to say that, I mean, the national team really is starving for the next generation of leader, the next, you know, Landon Donovan, the next next Michael Michael Bradley. Bradley. Exactly. And, and Wesson, Wesson's a different player than all those guys, but I think that he, he kind of has cemented himself as like, whether or not he is the best player on the field, he's going to be a leader in the locker room. And I think that's going to make him a mainstay. I mean, he's got the talent to be a mainstay. He's going to be a mainstay regardless, but um, it definitely kind of cements his place as a leader. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a question that a lot of coaches um, kind of grapple with. Um, one coach that does not grapple with that is Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Um, he said before, he said, there's, there's a difference between my best player and my right. captain. Um, you know, if, if, if you're interested in, in listening, what he has to say about it, uh, you can, you can YouTube that and, and you can find that answer pretty quickly. It's, it is a good video. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it, I think it elevates Weston McKinney. I think it makes him, um, more available and, but it also, it also makes him more vulnerable to mistakes because Weston McKinney is a 21 year old kid, um, and when I think that's the toughest part about making these kinds of statements and kind of cementing yourself in this this world of, you know, not technically politics, but, you know, having opinions and, and constantly having them out there. I think that's, you know, like like LeBron James um, always has to have a statement ready no matter what happens. And I, I think Weston McKinney um, is, is going to be looked at in that light, which is totally okay it's a lot of responsibility um, it's kind of yeah that's what it is it is and i think that a guy like weston can handle that um i i know that um i've been thinking about it you know lately and i you know i wasn't sure if weston mckinney was going to be a staple of this men's national team um i thought a guy like alex mendez could come in and and maybe take over his role if um you know if, if we had tyler adams playing center mid with someone like Paxton Pomikow or, you know, you know, something crazy would happen. I could see him kind of falling out of favor. Uh, but now I think that he's seen as, as, a, as a leader, someone that guys look, look toward, you know, for guidance and for leadership. I think that that is now his, his new position. He's starting to find himself in because I don't think that Christian Pulisic is a leader. And I don't mean that as a knock. I think that Christian is more like a Leo Messi type. He's quiet, more to himself, uh, really, really good, going to be your yeah. best player. But um, I, 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 that's the way that I'm just seeing things going. I, I think they're heading toward that direction right now. I, I'm not saying they're, they're going to, but 
that's just the way I, I see them see yeah, them going. I agree. But um, anything else? To no, add? no, not really. Not 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 really. I mean, like you said, I I kind of think you know, like you said, Christian is more of a guy that kind of leads by example. Um, but but you need mm-hmm. someone that steps up to be the the vocal type of leader. And I mean, there's a couple guys, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, that you know you could see stepping into that role in a couple years. So it's it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's a. Actually, I think it's think it's great. They're, those two guys and and Sergio Dest, I, Josh Sargent, you know, they're they're all coming up and they they all seem very, very uh, well positioned to be leaders on the team. So, all right, well, Nick, let's let's get to let's get to the soccer stuff, the the, the good stuff. It's it's uh, it's officially yes. back. Yes, we had the EPL return, we had La Liga return, and we actually had uh, the Copa Italia return. Um, Napoli wins that, and Pelli kicks. Typical Italian fashion. Um, Napoli and Juve play in the, the Coppa Italia final, and it was a snoozer. There was one good opportunity, it felt like, at the end. Now, nah, there, there was a couple. There was probably three or four solid solid chances on either end, but but uh, Napoli had the best of the chances at the end. Um, they didn't score. Buffon had you know two great saves back-to-back in the 86th minute. Um, and then they went to PK's. And Napoli won four to two. They took four. They made four. Juve took four, and they made two. So that was it. We'll get uh we'll, we'll get into the EPL. Let's um let's talk about Sheffield United, Aston Villa. They finished zero zero. Um, we'll just blow through that one pretty quick because I don't know how many people are that interested in it. But um, you see Sheffield United score a goal, uh, but it gets called no goal, so they finished zero zero. Um, other than that, the only my only takeaway is that Jack Grealish is way too good yeah. for Aston yeah. Villa. Um, he's, I believe, he's in the last year of his contract, yeah. so Aston Villa is probably going to get relegated. We're going to see Jack Grealish stay up in the Premier League, and it's going to break his heart. He's an Aston Villa kid through and through, uh, but no, he's a fantastic player, and he will get a big, big payday. Hoping somewhere. to hoping to uh, see him in a Manchester United jersey. To be honest with you. That yeah, I mean we can we can do that one time. We can we can think about yeah. that. <laughs> um, but yeah. So anything to add about the the Sheffield Aston yeah, game? No, no, not really. I mean the the goal was you know pretty clearly you know wrongly disallowed. Um, I actually think I saw, which is like it's kind of a sidebar. Um, Fandle like reimbursed everybody that bet on the game. Did you did you see that? <laughs> Yeah, no. yeah, I think I th- I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they, they? anyone that placed a pregame money line wager on Sheffield winning oh, um, Sheffield. was reimbursed their money, and I'm and I, I specifically think I saw that somebody bet ten thousand dollars on that game, and wow. and obviously like lost it right away and, and thought that they were out because they got completely screwed, and then Fandle reimbursed them the ten thousand dollar bet, which was quite the come up for that guy <laughs> or girl, I should say. Um, but yeah, now I mean, not too much to add other than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. awesome I, I love hearing that um yeah so so we'll get to we'll get to the big game uh it was manchester city versus arsenal um we have raheem sterling we have kevin de bruyne and who's who scored that third one for, uh, for phil, city? phil foden did phil foden the young the yeah. young manchester kid i like that um yeah so so you see uh so Arsenal first half, I thought they looked really good. Um, then David David Luiz subs <laughs> on. 
And the the poor guy is just He's got some rust. Dude, he doesn't belong. He just doesn't belong. He's out. He's out. Yeah. He can't his defending is is so bad. He the the reason that Raheem Sterling scored that first goal is a ball bounces onto David Luiz's left foot. And he can't he can't clear the ball out. Like I can name anybody that I've played soccer with. They they do that at 15 years old. Like it's a it's like literally a simple clearance. They're not asking you to do anything other than clear the ball out, get rid of the danger so everyone can regroup. And instead, he whiffs and Raheem Sterling runs through, buries it. It's one nothing. It was not a not a then good shot. On, and then he goes on to get a red card. They yeah. lose. It's a good I mean it's a good thing he didn't compound his first mistake with the second mistake. You know, yes, not not a great showing from Arsenal, and it's a it was one of those things we were, we were kind of talking about this, you know, pre podcast. But it was like, you know, the EPL's back, you get really excited, you see a, a game like City Arsenal, and you're like, this is a marquee game, two big names, two big clubs, and then you start yeah. kind of watching the game and seeing how things unfold, and it's just like, it's a different level of class at this point, you know, and and City, to be fair, is yeah. without is like that with a lot of teams. Um, most yes. teams outside of Absolutely. Liverpool and the EPL pretty much. Um, but yep. it, it was still, I mean, they, they just rolled them. It was like, it's one of those things where you want to have really more to say, but you know, there's yeah. really not like I, a bet, a bad goal yeah. was let up and then David <clears throat> Luis gets sent off and, and Kevin De Bruyne converts a penalty. And then, you know, cities up two nothing up a man. And it's like, what are we even talking about now? This, this game is, it, it's completely yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah, you could sit here and dissect and say, "Oh, it's another masterclass from Pep Guardiola." It's like, no, yeah. he just he has he has eleven players on the field that are better than the than the other eleven, and he's a right. better coach. You're gonna right. win. It's, it's what they do. Um, yeah, we don't have to completely dissect it. Uh, I think that that that's that pretty much covers the ninety minutes there. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the La Liga returning. Um, so we saw Barcelona. They've played, I think it's two games now. They played, uh, was it Mallorca? And then they played, was it, did they play someone uh, else? You know what? I'm not 100% sure, to be honest with you. Uh, I can I can look it up. But, um, but yeah, so when, when, uh, when they played Mallorca, that's the game that I was able to catch. Um, you used to just see Leo Messi. Um, he looks like he, he's been playing for the last three months. <laughs> He's been getting in pickup games. I I mean I don't think like like I don't think it's a secret to anyone listening that I am obsessed with Leo Messi. It's weird, I know, but my God, this man is unbelievable. His movement off the ball changes the way players are moving 35 yards away from him. If he checks from the middle of the field in the offensive third, if he checks back to the ball, say Jordi Alba has the ball at at left back and Leo Messi from basically like a center attacking mid roll drops back to collect, to, to collect the ball from Jordi Alba. Their center back leaves his role and he moves up to triple team Leo Messi with the it's two crazy. center midfielders. It, it we've never seen it before and we'll never see it again. Yeah, 
it's like LeBron's averaging 40 points a game in NBA Finals. Like, you're not going to see it ever again. It's crazy. Like, it, it just yeah. – that Messi does this consistently. It, I I just don't – I don't understand how teams can play against him. Like, I, I don't know what I would do as a manager. Yeah, I, I agree. And I guess that's why – and I guess that's why you have the highlights of Messi doing unbelievable things scoring goals and then the cameras just pan over to the opposing managers and they're on their feet clapping with a smile on their face. <laughs> like I'm going to lose my job because of this guy, but I don't care because it's just ridiculous. Like I've never yeah. seen it before. I don't think anyone ever has. Yeah. I mean, what's, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say. I mean, like he's just the best player to ever live, you know, like he's just that <laughs> he's just the best player ever. You know, it's like, he just there's is. nothing, there's nothing really to say. It's <laughs> like, it's ho hum. La Liga's back after three months, and Messi is hasn't hasn't missed a beat, and and beat. we should expect nothing less. He's just simply the greatest player to walk this planet. Yeah, yeah. and there's no two ways. He he's been born for this it, since the time he was 12 years old. He had scouts watching him, just the way he moves on the ball, the way he moves on off the ball, just his natural just movement like the way that he controls the game the way he sees the game like the way that he does that stuff it's been since he's been 12 yeah like it's been it's been this long it's been two decades of him just learning the game day in and day out and and every time he watches a game he gets better and every time he juggles a soccer ball he he understands it a little bit more and it's just fascinating yeah. I, to watch him play it is. It's an honor. I, I. It's corny. It sounds ridiculous. I know. It's an absolute honor. He's the greatest athlete I've. Yeah, ever seen. I mean, and, and to be completely honest, we are like we're extremely fortunate to be watching probably. I mean, probably the two best soccer players of all time in our generation with him and Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, like you can yeah. you you. It really is like a like you look at the accolades and you watch them play and it really is like a, it's like a pick your poison type of thing. You know what I mean? Like you can prefer, you can prefer yeah. one type of player over the other, but the crazy thing is, is yep. that like Ronaldo has all of the accolades and all of the, you know, statistics and all of the game film and all of the accomplishments to back him up as being, you know, right up there with Messi too. And it's just like, I, oh, yeah. we, I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's like one, it's one of those mm -hmm. things where it's like, you, you very easily can get sucked into, and I'm sure many listeners, you know, if you're, if you're really, you know, into, into, you know, into having these discussions, it's like the Messi Ronaldo discussion. You can really get sucked yeah. into it where I've, I've totally, I've totally gone hands off with that, at least in terms of really digging in on yeah. stance in terms of who I really think is better than the other, because I'm all about just trying to enjoy them both because at yeah. some point we are going to look back at this era and be like, Damn, we had the two best players of all time ever, and we like <laughs> argued about semantics about which who, which one's better. Like that's completely stupid. Um, I like I'm yeah. not a diehard Barcelona or you know Madrid fan or, or Juve fan or something. Like I have no rooting interest in either one of these guys. All I want to do is watch them be great. So that's pretty yep. much where I'm at with that's that, totally... and I'm gonna just enjoy them for as long as they're playing. That's totally fair. I'm not gonna I I'm not gonna ask you for for who you think is better because I. I think I know the answer, but it, does, it again, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like pick your poison. Um, it's I, like a pick your poison thing. I can make yeah, an argument for either one. Yeah, you really can. Um, it, it, and also a side note to that whole thing is I think 
when you when you poke a hole in one of the guy's resumes, you can literally take the same right. stick yeah, and poke exactly. the same hole in the other exactly. one. So it's it, it does go both ways. Um, we'll finish up with uh, Bayern Munich. They basically wrapped up another Bundesliga title. Um, Nick, before I give my thoughts, I'm curious, uh, you know, did you watch that Dortmund versus Bayern Munich game? Uh, finished one nothing to Bayern Munich. A lovely little chip by Joshua Kimmich. Um, before I go on a rant about why I love him, I would like to know what you think of that. Um, I did watch like probably about 75% of that game. Um, and it was an awesome game. It was end to end stuff. It was exciting. I mean, it, it was one of those games that like the, the casual uh, soccer observer might look at and be like, Oh, one, nothing, man. This is kind of why I hate this sport. But if you watch the yeah. game, it was way more exciting than one, nothing. It's like chances left and right. Mm-hmm. Guys are flying up and down the field, making chances. Um, you know, doing a lot and it was, it was an awesome game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have too much to say. I mean, at this point it was, uh, you know, we're, we're recording on, you know, the June 19th. That was uh, what, two weeks ago now. Am, am I right? Yeah, so, I mean, I mean it's, it's kind of a little, yeah. it's a kind of a little hazy to, to remember the it's, specifics it of it, but I know, I mean, I do remember yeah. specifically it was a great game. Yeah. So I'm just going to go on a quick, yeah, this, this is your about... guy. This is your guy. This is, so I have I have about five guys in the sport that you will never change my mind on you know my my feelings about them you'll never you'll never make me love them less you'll never make me think less of them um this is just how how I feel about them um so my my five guys are Joshua Kimmich, Luka Modric, Leo Messi, Sergio Ramos and Paul Pogba, of course. Um, but yeah, so so I'm going to talk about Kimmich real quick. So I, what I what so Kimmich is is a 25 year old German. Um, he he played right back from the time he was 18 years old, and he was he was getting into the Bayern first team. So if you remember, Germany wins the World Cup in 2014. Their captain is Philipp Lahm. He's the right back of Germany. He's the right back of Bayern Munich. Um, so basically Joshua Kimmich comes up for about a year, two years under Philip Lom. And basically uh, he, he's getting first team minutes playing behind one of the best, most, most solidified outside backs, you know, in the world. So he has this, it's, it, he's, Philip Lahm is basically like, you know, learning under Tom Brady. You know, he's not the GOAT, but he's so um, seasoned in that position that he, he there's nothing he hasn't seen before. He's played against Messi. He's played against Neymar. As good as it gets. So basically why I love Joshua Kimmich is because Joshua Kimmich plays this hybrid right back role for four years from 18 to 22. And that's him pushing up the field as an attacking winger and that's him holding deep as, as a right back defending moving inside when the ball is coming coming down the middle of the field he slides in as a center back if the ball moves out he he slides out he's he's playing right back so to, to sum it up the last three years of his career Bayern Munich have pushed him to center midfield he was a top three to five right back in the world at 22. 
Now he's a top three center midfielder in the world um, for Bayern Munich. And in this center midfield role, when he can push up as a number six and he can push up and play the number eight role where he's the attacking midfielder rather than the, the defensive midfielder, it's unbelievable because he's such a threat in front of the goal like you see in this Dortmund game. And, and that's why, why I love him because he can pick a corner from 25 yards out, no problem. And then if you're, if, if you're Bayern Munich and you have the luxury of having the best left back in the world in Alfonso Davies, who's 19, uh, you have him make a scorching run from your back line and he's pushing forward and he's looking to get across. You have a, a center midfielder in Joshua Kimmich who's smart enough to recognize the situation and push one of the center backs, whether it be uh, David Alaba or Boateng, he will push them up forward as like a number six role. And he drops in and plays left back and he holds this three man line while you have one person roaming the number six role side to side. If the ball pops out, it's just when you have a guy that can control the field, the way that he does from, from the defensive third to the neutral third, to the attacking third, it's such an advantage it's it's unbelievable and i think it may be if it, it might have been nbc sports or, or euro sport or something they they did a draft maybe it was espn fc they did a draft of you have a team for the next five years we'll give you five picks and i think there was five guys picking out of the top 25 players in the world joshua kimmich wasn't picked I wanted to puke. <laughs> That's a travesty for you. It's like, that would have been your number one. Dude, it, he would have been no joke. He would have been my number one. I would have taken him before <laughs> Messi. I would have taken him before Mbappe, Modric, because his age yeah. and what he does. Versatility, so just, much versatility. He is the future of the yeah. game. Like, like the fact that he can play multiple positions at such a high level, and someone else who can do this is. We're going to talk about him, but it's Hakeem Ziyech. He's from Ajax going to um, Chelsea. But but these kind of players, the, you see them have this this vision. They always they're, – they're a step ahead. When they get the ball, if they're going to move the ball 40 yards across the field, there's there's literally – like that's that's the only thing they're going to do. And they knew that a minute ago. And that's the way they play, and it's, it's just incredible to watch. So I think that, that those kind of guys can play on the wing. Those kind of guys can play in, in the middle of the field because of their vision and their versatility. Um, so it just that, that's my rant on Joshua Kimmich and why I would kiss his feet if I saw him. Well said. So, well said. I agree with all that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let, let's, uh, let's move on and, and get ready to get out of here. Okay, cool. Um, so like you kind of mentioned, um, Chelsea kind of announced today officially, um, two new acquisitions, Timo Werner and Ziyech. What's his, how do you, how do you say his first name? Hakeem. Hakeem. Okay. So, so two guys, um, Dan, I know you probably have seen a lot more of them in person or, or I shouldn't say in person on, you know, in live live viewings yeah, than, yeah, than probably games. I have. I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen Werner play a bunch and I know both guys are pretty highly rated, but I think the interesting thing to think about is, you know, everything that we do is, is we really try to, to, to take a look at everything, but try to hone it into the, the scope of the men's national team as much as we can. And obviously 
two attacking, you know, attacking players that are coming into the Chelsea side. What does this mean for Christian? What does this mean for Christian Pulisic? How is he going to cope and adapt? So, you know, I, my, my question for you is exactly that. What do you think this means for him going forward? And, and what do you think um, is, is going to be the result in terms of him having to kind of fight for his place right now? Hmm. That's, that's a good question. Um, I think, I think uh, the acquisition of, of Ziyech, I think that's much, much more of a shot at Christian um, because he's, he's playing on the left wing. He's got this like laser of a left foot. Um, I, I think that's more, more at Christian. Uh, I think it depends. The Timo Werner acquisition, it goes two ways. He, Timo Werner can play on the left, uh, but his his best position is playing totally up front. Number ten, you're you're the striker, like the lone striker, and um, you know, like a guy like Marcus Alonso, uh, they, they they would be looking to slip him through on his left foot. He's very 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 left footed. Um, he's missed plenty of chances on his right, but basically, I I think. I, I think this means two things for Christian. We're, we're going to learn something about Christian. Um, he got, he got, and I don't want to sound the wrong way here um, because he went completely out of his comfort zone, moved 6,000 miles away to Germany at 15 years old, you know, so I'm not saying that this guy's afraid right, of challenges, right. that challenges. Um, but I think that Christian, the, the I guess the, the, the vibe that I get from him in the last year is that Christian feels that he has arrived um, and that he shouldn't be working for a starting spot anymore. He should be working for titles, which I don't think is a bad mindset and a bad mentality to have. Um, but I think it's always important to kind of have that um, – I, the, the chip on your shoulder, you know, the, the attitude of like, you know, I, I have to go out and earn it every day, yeah. wh- whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think, and, and I, again, it, that, that sounds like I'm, I'm trashing Christian. I, I'm really not. And I don't think that Christian is walking around thinking that the world owes him a bowl of soup. Like it's just not, not, not the way that I'm thinking about it. I just mean that I think Christian got comfortable at Dortmund was a consistent, first guy off the bench or starter um, whether they were playing in the Bundesliga or in the Champions League and he he's didn't only hold his own he played extremely well he was he, he was thriving um, and I think I think that 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 is the biggest it really is the biggest question I think that Christian if I had to like make a prediction it's I think that Christian ends up kind of like sacking up and uh, you know, just gets so much better. I, I really yeah. do. And I think that he ends up being the same role in, in Chelsea that he was at yeah. Dortmund. And I, th- and, I, and I don't think that that's a bad Agreed. thing because I still think it's a step Agreed. up. He's playing higher competition. He's going to be competing for, for going further in the Champions League. Um, I, I just, it can really go one of two ways. And I think that if things are going south throughout this entire next season, I think Christian starts looking for a move. And I don't think that that's a bad thing yeah. either. I think the, the right, the right answer is whatever Christian decides is the right answer. Yeah. And that's, that's not, it's not a bad thing. It just is. And, and that's okay. 
And I just think to understand that we should really try to understand that Christian is 21 years old um, and he's earned everything that he has up, up to this moment right now. He's suffered tons of injuries for minor injuries, of course, knock on wood, you know, I don't want, don't want him getting hurt, but, but, you know, he's, he's had injury trouble. He's had, you know, muscle issues and whatnot. So I think for him, he can't control the, what Chelsea do in the transfer. Yeah. Market. Right. They had, they had a transfer, they had a transfer ban when he, before he signed with them. So he signed in last January's transfer window. Didn't come until after the summer and UEFA lifted Chelsea's transfer ban. So he kind of got screwed in that way. Cause I think he thought he had a year of, I guess like immunity yeah. where there was no new faces coming in and then it got lifted a window early and here yeah. we are. So I, I think that that's, that's the biggest like sad yeah. part. No, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with everything that you're saying. Um, and I think that, like you said, I mean, it's like when you make a move to a club like Chelsea, you have to expect that competition will arrive. So mm-hmm. whether or not their transfer ban was upheld is kind of, I mean, it does matter because it could have, like you said, bought them an extra year. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like you know that competition's coming. So the only reason that you make a move like that, at least, at least you want, you should right. want the I competition, agree with or at least, or yeah. Does. And I and I agree. He is with smart, you. and he is a smart yeah. dad, and he is a smart dad yeah. and mom. You know, running running the right. show with him. You're 100 percent right. I, I went on a on a point. No, point. I mean, Sorry. no, I I, I I like agree with what you're saying because I mean, yeah. it, the premise of it for for what yeah. we've seen publicly. Yeah. And sure. I think that I, I, I think that yeah. he I think that he if he if he was not expecting competition to come like we've seen this before with other with other like American guys where like they are kind of at like a middling, you know, a middling club in whatever league. And then they make a jump up that is clearly something that they're not ready for. And then you're like, oh, yeah. this is a big problem. So I feel like that was kind of the fear yes. that everybody had with Christian. I mean, Christian cemented himself that he's too good for that. Like. He's not going to – I don't yeah. think that that anyone that Chelsea can bring him is going to just, like, relegate him to the bench for, like, three months at a time. But at the same time, yeah, like you said, you know, if he if he settles into a role as, like, a, a starter and or and or first guy off the bench, regardless of, of what competition they're playing in, that's not a bad spot to be. Like, you, most – unless you're, like – unless you're one of the 15 to 30 best players in the world – you're not going to be a week in week out starter for a top three or four club in the EPL guaranteed, no matter what, with a spot at like with immunity, it just doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Yes, so like it doesn't, yeah, it this, doesn't. this was, this was bound to happen at some point and I'm excited to see him, you know, step up to the plate and like compete for a spot. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So while, while we're on this, this men's national team, uh, just real quick, um, not a long-winded answer. I'm not even going to give one because because I don't know. Um, but here's here's my my question. Going back to Weston McKinney. Um, so Weston McKinney is the number six who switches to number eight for Schalke. Literally, the entire defense starts with him, and the entire offense runs through him. Um, he's pretty much he takes on this massive responsibility week in and week out. If he isn't the captain. Um, he, if he's not wearing the captain's armband, he's still looked to as a leader on that team. Um, and that's just purely as a soccer player, it has been for, for about a season and a half now. Um, but my question is, is, do you think Weston McKinney is getting too comfortable at Schalke 
and he needs to move on for a new challenge where he won't have as much responsibility, but he might be playing with and against better competition? Or do you think maybe playing where he's at and, and, and shouldering all of this responsibility is better for him? Just your personal opinion. I, I really don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm just curious what you think of that. Um, that's a good question. And I personally don't think that he's ready for a bigger move quite yet. I think that I think okay. that he needs to, like, like, like we 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 harped on it like a couple times with just like quite how young he is. Like I'm looking mm-hmm. at the 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 table right now. Like as it sits, like Schalke is currently in tenth, so they're not really in danger of going down. So like we don't really have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And Schalke is clearly you know a, a, a relatively stable club, and Weston is clearly value there. So I think that, I think that like. Like let that ride. You know what I mean. Like why? Why does he need to? Why? Why like mess up a good thing? In terms of yeah. in terms of what your status in the team is now. I mean, maybe he doesn't want a new challenge. Maybe he thinks he's better. Maybe he thinks he's ready to step up into the Premier League or or something like that. And I don't think that's yeah. crazy. You know, I think he's like a, obviously really talented. But like we've talked about, you run the risk of of moving up a level and not being able to hack it and. You know, like from from a personal perspective, you might want to figure that out. But from the, the the national team perspective, like we want you playing week in and week out, so that way you have maximum level of sharpness when you step into a, a national team game and ultimately like a World Cup. You need to have that that experience. So I think that like I think that those kind of moves like will originate them for themselves. Like when Wesson is ready to move on, like it'll kind of just start happening. Like we'll start seeing the reports, and it'll just make sense where. You know, like we yeah. look at like a guy like Matt Miazga, who like is someone we really haven't talked about. And if you're more of a casual yeah. observer, you might not know who he is fully. But I mean, he played for the Red Bulls, you know, had an awesome U20 World Cup. This is like, you know, three, four years ago, probably at this point, and then yeah. moved on to Chelsea, which everybody knew was a step way too high and didn't really find his footing. And now he's in like a, a perennial loan cycle. I don't even know if he's officially a Chelsea player, he might even be officially sold now, but he got caught in like that perennial loan cycle. So, like, I mean, Weston's better than that. He's not going to have that issue probably with with in terms of like actually going out alone. He's like obviously way way better than that. But at the same time, you, you step up to something that is you know a little too much for you, and it can really derail your career. So I I'm of the opinion to keep letting it ride with Shaka for another season or two, and you know really cement yourself as a baller in the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I don't uh, I don't disagree. Um, I. I didn't have uh, – I, I really didn't have, like, a really, really solid opinion on that because, I don't know, I think Weston McKinney's going to be fine wherever yeah. he goes. Um. So, yeah. But if you want to talk about Matt Miazga for a second, I love Matt Miazga. I think he has a really bright future if he continues to just keep playing. Um, he is a Chelsea player, and – Last time I saw him, he was playing for Vitesse yeah. in Holland, which is a, a great club. Um, I saw Vitesse play at their home stadium, yeah. so that's why I'm <laughs> you're a little um, totally not biased. I totally not biased. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a no. scarf of Vitesse. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Um, no, so so all right, let's um let let's wrap this up. We'll we'll just do something real quick because you know we're in Philadelphia. Um, Kevin Durant, if you never heard of him, he plays basketball. He's pretty good. Um, yeah, he's pretty good. He's kind of tall. Um, so Kevin Durant, he bought a 5% stake in the union. 
the Philadelphia yes. Union. This has been coming. I don't know if you if you know this. Uh, it has been coming for a little while now. It's it's been. Yeah. I, I've seen some very like in the shadows articles, yeah. just like floating around at him kicking around the idea of buying a stake. Um, I saw people saying he was going to buy a stake in DC United because he's from Washington DC, uh, but he said he would not. From what some interview I saw him on, it, basically him saying he liked the union, he liked their colors, and then this just happens kind of out of the blue and i was like oh yeah i did i did hear that but no i think it's pretty cool it's it's good face good 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 backing for the yeah. club you know do you think there's there's anything i more mean to it? originally i thought there wasn't and i still don't really think there is the only thing i think is that like you said i mean obviously to bring somebody with like some real cachet in like the sports world into the union which they need it like they don't really have uh like they've struggled over LA, LA yeah they've LAFC has Will Farrell as a part of right. so it's like that yeah, and like thing. I, I and they don't, yeah. they've never really like brought in like a, a a real star designated player or anything like that. I mean, they brought in like Alejandro Bedoya, but like who is that in the grand scheme? I think the thing that like potentially could happen is like Kevin Durant has like relationships with like random famous like really awesome soccer players. Like like Griezmann is yeah. like one of his friends. I think I've seen that around. Like they like talk. Griezmann, Antoine Griezmann absolutely loves the yeah. NBA. So like, who he's obsessed. Who knows? With maybe like because KD has the stake in the team and is clearly you know financially motivated and invested. Like maybe two three years from now we get like a leg up on a player that is is ready to make the move to MLS to like live in America for a couple years and you know not so much do the retirement thing because like the MLS is better than a retirement league now, but still just like play play in you know the United States. Um, so maybe that could help us with that and. The other thing that I've been reading about quite a bit is like, it seems like Kevin Durant has a pretty vested interest in trying to build up um, Chester, which the the union ownership has failed pretty mightily to do. That was like, you know, one of the big things with going to Chester with build up the community and build up the the Chester waterfront and turn the whole area where I I guess Subaru park. Now it's changed names a couple of times, build up that entire area. And I, from what I've read, Kevin Durant seems to have a vested interest in that as well, but we mm-hmm. say all this, and we might never hear from him again, and it could be just a money play. So, I mean, I don't really know, but there's a lot worse investors that your hometown MLS team can bring in. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not yes. mad about it, but I, I don't really know what to make of it at all, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that I think that Kevin Durant is a is a guy of of weird quirks, and I think him spending, you know, roughly sixteen and a half million dollars yeah. on on a team in Philadelphia. Um, I, it gives me hope he might be a sixer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would be great. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I really, um, I, I think that it's really cool. And I think that it's a great relationship for a lot of the players and a lot of the staff yeah. to have uh, because his ties with, you know, Nike and, and all these different organizations and whatnot. He's got a great, um, I, I, what is his company? Is it, is it a sports uh, it, agency? No, he has a, a, a he multimedia has? company. It's called 35 Ventures. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so he's, he's, He's a business yeah, he too. Absolutely. Um, on top of being on top of being yeah. an athlete. Um so so yeah, no, I th- I think I just honestly it's just it at the very worst, the union got sixteen million dollars and they have a really cool yep. name to yep. put on stuff. Exactly. Um so let's also real talk real real quick touch on um you know the Champions League officially um i believe it's august 7th they are going to start it's august 7th to 9th they are going to do 
the um like the wrap up of the round of 16 i believe it's like bayern still has to play chelsea napoli are still playing barcelona uh there's there's like another one too maybe juve still mm-hmm. playing i honestly i honestly don't remember. don't remember i don't remember it's been so long it's, yeah, it's been so long i don't I mean, even know it really it really has um I don't know. I, I was going to try to look it up, but it's really not that big of a deal. I know that Liverpool's out, so I'm very happy. Um, no, uh, but yeah. So basically, um, they're going to finish up the round of 16 in like the 7th, 8th, and 9th of August. And then I believe by the 11th, they're going to they're gonna uh, resume with the, uh, was it the quarterfinals? Yeah, quarter semis. And That's then gonna be, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be one leg and it's going to go up up to uh, August 23rd, and I believe by August 30th, the plan is to have all of the leagues starting up again, the domestic hmm. leagues. I actually didn't know that. For the 2020-2021 season. Yeah, okay. It is going to be a very, very, very quick turnaround yeah. for these guys. Absolutely. They just had their summer vacations. Yeah, um, actually they did. So they, they, No joke. So uh, for me, what to make of the Champions League knockout tournament, I think being one leg is uh, very interesting. It's not something we've ever seen before. All the games are going to be held in Lisbon, which means that this is going to be a home tournament for Ronaldo. I'm just kidding. There's no fans. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I, I don't know what to make of it because we've never seen anything like it. I think it's going to be very, very cool. Um, just one-and-done games. If I had to pick a winner right now, I would say Bayern Munich. I don't know if you have one you'd pick, but yeah, that's I honestly, I don't really have a pick for it just because there's so like, this is such a weird year that like, we really, I just don't know how a lot of these teams are going to respond to, to the extended layoff in terms of like fitness. Like, what are they going to be like, you know, in August? Like, are they going to be, is is our key guys going to be hurt? Is our guys going to have their minutes managed properly? Like, I I honestly don't know. Um, And and with it being such a weird year, it's like hard to make a prediction. I just have to say, I'm, I'm, Excited to just see it get finished. I kind of just assumed they were just going to chalk the whole yes. tournament and just move on to the following year. Um, but the fact that they, yeah. you know, figure out a way logistically to get teams on board with being in Lisbon for, you know, somewhere in the, the, the two weekish range two weeks. um, to yeah. do it, I, I think it's pretty awesome. And I'm pretty excited to see, um, to see, to see how it all kind of shakes out. Um, it's almost like a, it's like a world cup, t- world cup style type yeah. of vibe with everyone being in the same in the yep. same city or, or close proximity for extended periods. So it no, it's it's cool and the the one leg is gonna be unique. I really hope that they can, you know, find some unique maybe rules twists or different things that use it as like an opportunity to experiment um and, and maybe like innovate some some interesting rule changes uh for the following season in the future. So it no it's cool and like I said I I'm just happy that it's getting played. So yeah, no, I, I'm I'm on board with you. Um, and also to add on to what you said a little earlier, basically, um, you know, you don't know like the fitness and how guys' minutes will be managed and whatnot. That's where I actually think that Bayern Munich has the leg up because La Liga and the Italian league, uh, Serie A, um, and the EPL, they all pretty much came back at the same time, and the Bundesliga started, you know, a month before them. The French league isn't coming back at all. Um, they already said that. So PSG 
have to find a spot on planet earth to go to and train for probably yeah. a month um to to get even close uh so that'll just be it'll be really interesting i don't know what to make of it don't know what to say about it besides who the hell yep. knows that's it um, so that's that's it man that's all i yep. got for you i'm um, same here i'm pretty um, pretty much good it. that's pretty much it that's all, all we'll we just, really want really want all we really wanted to touch on yeah so we'll just uh we'll leave you guys off with this um you know next episode we are thinking of talking about the issues that have happened with the world cup bid of 2022 at qatar um we're kicking around ideas about maybe talking newcastle united being bought by the saudi government and we were talking about you know something along the lines of barcelona's academy and how their club is run um all these topics you know they interest us they catch our eye they're just something that we find to you know just just be it can be dark, I guess, if you're talking about some of the yeah. some of the tough stuff. But um, but but overall, I just think that they're just interesting things to know um, about how our world is run. Yeah. So if you guys have any preference, tweet at us, send us messages, you know, on, on Twitter, text us, whatever it may be at all soccer pod. If you have our phone numbers, feel free to text us. All right. Nick, yeah, man, good? I'm good. Looking forward to it. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Nick, thank you for taking time to talk with me tonight. And we will see you guys next time.